Hello, folks. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Startup Blender podcast. I'm your host, Ucha, and our guest this time is Desmond from the United States. Desmond is a true sales mastermind. He trains and leads sales team for small businesses that want to go from six figures and get to seven figures in sales. He connects sales professionals with entrepreneurs while podcasting, consulting, and building his online business. As an experienced digital nomad, Desmond is working from different parts of the world and expanding his business along the way. We had a very interesting chat in this episode. We talked about his digital nomad life and the challenges that come with running multiple business simultaneously. Enjoy! Welcome everybody to the Startup Blender, the podcast about startup life and some other stuff. Hey Desmond, it's great to have you here. Thanks for joining the podcast. How are you? Oh man, I'm on fire. I'm 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 high on this week's good vibes. <laughs> that is amazing to hear. Um, to get listeners up to speed, tell about yourself. Who are you? What you do? Yeah, yeah. So I'm Desmond. I run a a company called Remote Sales Manager.io, and I'm a, pretty much a sales guy traveling the world, working with different entrepreneurs. And really just helping remove them from the sales process and, and building sales teams for them and training them and managing them for them. And uh, yeah, man, I feel like I, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I get to do what I love at, at scale and, and I get to see cool places along the way. That's amazing. And I'm very glad to that you found time to come to our podcasts because uh, we would really love to hear from people like you who follow their passions and do everything they love full time. Um, but yeah, so we got connected through LinkedIn, um, and you're a digital nomad, right? Because you said that you travel a lot to a lot of different places. You experience life from many different parts of the world. Um, tell us about that. How did it start? How did you start your journey as a digital nomad? Yeah. So I got my first taste first going to Costa Rica after I left corporate for a little bit, got to backpack the country. And then when I got back. Uh, I was going to actually go travel more full time, but my roommate was like, yo, you need to build something. You're going to go back and work for someone else. So I was like, okay, let me try to focus on sustaining revenue, some money first before I go on the road. So I don't come back and you know go work at McDonald's or Starbucks or something like that. So I took the approach of getting my money together and um, I had a contract in Ukraine for a company. So I got to fly out to you. They flew me out. They put me up. And I got to make some really good money, stack some money. And then when I got back to California, I was paying like five grand a month for a place downtown. And I had this itch to get back out. And I was like, man, why am I spending $5,000 in rent on this place that I want to leave? And I had to pay while I was in Ukraine. So at that moment, I decided like, hey, babe, I'm, I'm going to go do this. Do you want to come with me? Yeah or nay. If not, then I guess we got to go separate ways. So she decided to come, come to jump on the ship. And uh, we started our adventures and. Hawaii first for a wedding so we had a, our visa was up and then we had a wedding like that weekend so we flew to Hawaii for a month and some change and hung out there and then just like started to travel international landing first in Colombia so um yeah and I think how I'm traveling now like I slow mad so I consider myself a slow mad not a digital nomad I guess because so, I spend three to four months at a base and travel the region so like I'm here in Bali now and I've been on all the different islands and I take I've been here for four months now so 
Yes, I'm a slow mad man. A future right. expat because I want to buy something and get a long-term piece somewhere. So that's in the motion. Wow. <laughs> nice. That's amazing. And so you're in Bali right now, right? Yeah, I'm in Bali. Uh, at least for the rest of the week, yeah. Great. Uh, how, how long have you been there? Uh, four months. Been there four months uh-huh. now. Yeah, that's amazing. What, what have been your very uh, favorite locations that you have already lived in? Okay, so in order, uh, Bali's definitely number one because I got so much done and focused on my health. Um, second would have to be Montenegro. I love Montenegro. Uh, Qatar or Qatar. I know that's, I, I probably never said or even though I live there, but it's just one of those places where you wake up. It doesn't matter what the weather is outside. It's beautiful. It was really, really weird. Yeah. It was All like, right. I felt like I was in a Disney movie <laughs> like every day, like walking across, walking around the bay and like all the little quaint towns, the cobblestone streets. It was just like magical, man. And then number three is Croatia. I like Croatia a lot. So, but I got a lot of cool, cool places coming up. So maybe they can be dethroned. Yeah, we can see. And speaking of new places that are coming up, what are the most important factors that you keep in mind when you choose new location? Internet, for sure, because I run the business on the internet. So and I do podcasting as well. So I got to have good internet. Um, number two, I would have to say like how easy it is to get around, right? And not just like locally, but can I travel the region or is it easy to access different experiences, different countries or different parts of the country that are pretty unique? So I think that's pretty big for me. And then the visa situation. I think that's the that's like the biggest pain in the butt out of all the things of traveling is, you know, the visa, you know, traveling around Europe, being an American with the Schengen situation, it can be very frustrating how to lay roots and be effective and, and not feel rushed, right? So that's kind of how I decide personally. And you, you learn as you go because you get feedback, obviously, like, you know, you're a startup guy, like you, you try something, you get feedback yeah. on it and you, you adjust. I know that I don't like Latin America, so I won't go back there personally. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's, it's pretty dope, man. It's amazing. Yeah, uh, I remember when I was in Croatia, actually, I met so many Americans there and it's only because Croatia is not Schengen. And right next to Schengen. So these Americans would just go in Europe, in the Schengen area, hang out for three months and then come to Schengen to sort of extend their stay in uh, Europe. That's, I, I was like, my mind was blown at the first time I, <laughs> when I heard that. But that's Man, amazing. Croatia, ah. it's prob- yeah. I was going to say, uh, Croatia is probably the leading candidate for a long-term visa because they have that one-year one and it's easy to get because you can apply online. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, yeah. I also heard Georgia is doing a great job, which is surprising for me being a Georgian myself, <laughs> but they're giving out very good uh, visas for digital nomads. So, yeah, Georgia's on my 2024 list, man. Yeah, you should definitely go. You mentioned that uh, you run your business online. So you're an online entrepreneur. Tell us about that. Like, how did you start the journey? Um, and uh, what do you do exactly? Yeah, so first and foremost, I'm a sales guy. And so when I first started the journey, I guess technically I was doing high ticket sales, right? So I was handling inbound leads and I was working on conversions, follow-ups, things like that. And then it morphed into consulting because, you know, as you become seen as an expert, people ask you for advice and ask you what, you know, you just, if you love the game, you just share. And then that came into someone, a couple of people hiring me for retainers. 
And then I realized I really didn't like too much consulting because I was also giving like recruiting for free with it. Cause like they needed a salesperson. So I was like, okay, let me find you a salespeople. And I built sales teams before. So then it morphed into, I was like, okay, let me just try sales recruiting. Like, let me try to get away from consulting because you still have to trade your time and time zones and it was stressful. And I found out during recruiting that a lot of entrepreneurs still struggle with like standard operating procedures, managing a salesperson because managing a salesperson is totally different than managing a marketing person or an operations person or a VA. Like they have a special personality and they need a special way to communicate with in order to drive results. So then I got to thinking, I was like, hmm, why not just put all three things together and work on uh, long-term relationships and work on performance-based? So I was like, let me create the remote sales manager offer. And it's still 60%, right? So I went three or five and um, a uh, like a two, two week and some change window. So like less than 20 days, I sold three of them, three out of five. So I'm either offered to five people and uh three close and i'm in a process now of closing more um <laughs> still at the 60 percent. so it's like okay i got something here right so i do a promo period where it's like i have a price where it's still a fraction of the price if you did if you hired a full-time sales manager if you hired a recruiter because recruiters are expensive you hired a trainer so it's like all these things in one at a fraction of the price and it's good for me because it's only using a fraction of my time and i can work on you know economies of scale right so i can build I got a referral network, a bunch of salespeople coming in. So I got to do the deal flow and I'm bringing on more coaches or managers who I trust who have experience in high ticket sales. And it's, it's pretty interesting, man. Um, so yeah, so it's really just like any startup. You just try different things, you sell it. And then I built it. I mean, I knew what, how to build it, but I sold it first and I kind of put them all together into this offer. So it was dope. Wow. That's amazing. And that's even more amazing to hear from me because you know, I, I live in the startup world and basically all the successful startups have this approach. They sell it first and then they figure out on the way. Uh, so that's really amazing to hear. Uh, my next question is, what were the biggest challenges for you to get to this point? You know, from, from the beginning up until now, like to set this whole thing up, what were the biggest challenges for you? Uh, I'll give three. Uh, the first one was uh, staying disciplined. So what I mean by that is that, like being a digital nomad, like you have so much freedom, like you can go anywhere in the world, you could do anything you want when you want. So like having the discipline to show up when you don't feel like it or don't want to, like it's huge, I think. It's like a different level. It's not like you live in a, you know, your normal city and your own, you know what I mean? Like it's easy to like, because you're in a rhythm, but as a digital nomad, you have a free mindset. Like you always want to explore. So having the discipline not to, you know, be shiny, shiny object syndrome is key. Um, the second thing was hiring, like knowing when to scale. So I try to scale my consulting company. I mean, when I was doing just consulting, I was trying to scale it earlier this year and, you know, hired a bunch of people, did all these different things. And like, I went from being really profitable to like, you know, like burning money and, you know, you lose one big well and now you're like, you know, like cash flow becomes a thing when the economy started to do a turn. So I'm like, I had housing property that was like, I had a, a, a tenant to evict and like, dude, dude, February was so stressed out. February, March, I was so stressed out because, you know, my stock portfolio is going down, my crypto stuff, my NFTs, my, my, the thing, my client, right? So I think building up too much operationally too soon is like, like that was the biggest thing. Like if I, like I'm doing it differently now where it's, 
more contractor performance-based hiring. Like I literally do the same thing I do with sales, but with everyone that I bring on has been the biggest thing I learned, like getting away from salary employees and into like more contractor work. I think that's early on, at least maybe that might change in a couple, couple, couple months or a year, but that one was a big one for me. Oh, that's great. And what are your future plans with it? Like how, how do you want to expand and grow? Yeah. So um, I proved that I can sell it and I proved that I can deliver it because I do a three month promo that rolls into a six to 12 month retainer with a performance milestone at the end. And so now I'm proving out, can someone else sell it and can someone else fulfill it? And can I still get, can I acquire customers without me being involved? And then can I retain customers without me being involved? And then once I prove that out, I'm planning on paying for ads, TikTok. I have a client that does TikTok ads. And right now the cost for TikTok ads are like early Google, early Facebook days because they're trying to still market share over from advertisers by just undercutting the market. And everyone's trying to get the same results with the same amount of money because of the economic situation around the world. So I'm like, I got to get on. Like, so I'm going to run TikTok ads. So my goal is to sell 12 more, book 12 more clients this before the end of the year and then um, start ads in January for 2023 scale it yeah yeah that's the that's the that's the key to scaling any kind of business basically so um best of luck with that <laughs> um and also i know that you're running some on the side you're running some other online initiatives for example the podcast called campfire capitalism where i was also a guest so can you tell us more about that uh, what is it about and why are you doing it yeah. So, you know, when I first started traveling, I think loneliness, like I don't even say lonely because you meet people, but like a lot of it's a different way of relationships and networking. And I just wanted to start it to I hate to say it, but force myself to meet other people around still in America, because when I left America, like I wasn't doing belly to belly networking or I wasn't going to events or anything like that. So I was like, OK, how can I stay in touch with people based in America at the time so I launched it and um and then also the strategy was to develop content from it so besides me sitting in front of a camera every day trying to create content I just create content by doing a podcast and then I could take clips or you know things like that um I was also interviewing other people who had podcasts too so it was awesome because then I got to go on their show and you know hack audiences they got to see my audience I got to get their audience so it was fun um I learned a lot from the data. So like, this is dope, man. I'm going to give some game here. So I looked at the data every week. I look at data and where I get a lot of spikes in my episodes were about sales stuff related to travel. So I just decided over the weekend, I'm going to keep campfire capitalism because that's my, my baby and I'm so invested in it. Um, but I'm going to start a second podcast that's hyper niched based upon the data that I learned from this podcast. That's like sales, remote, like specific, super, super niche where I'm not looking for a bunch of listeners. I'm looking for the right listeners. Like if I got 10, 10 people listening that are my ideal customers, like that's a success for me. So um, yeah, man, podcasting's dope. I, I, I recommend every entrepreneur do it because like you get to network, you get yeah. to create content while you do it. You can repurpose it to blog articles. I mean, there's so many cool things you can do with podcasting. And yes, it's going to be a six month investment with time and money, but it literally will pay for itself if you get savage and start connecting your guests with people like 
dude, you can have so much fun. Like podcasting can literally make you a million dollars. Hate to say it like exactly. that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It can make you a million dollars. I would I would recommend exactly the same to everybody. And besides all the benefits that it brings to your business, it's so much fun to connect with all these people that you would not just connect like that without having a podcast. Uh, it's amazing. So totally agree on that. Totally agree. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about this campfire podcast uh, a little bit more. So what are your learnings, so to say, from doing this for already such a long time? Yeah. So the first one is it's you're going to want to quit early because it's a lot of work to set up. But once you set it up, it's easy. It's at that point you just do it. And it just teaches you how to be disciplined. So here's another part of the game I'm going to give you guys. As soon as you record an episode with your guests, give them a win as fast as possible. So what does that mean? Connecting them. They, obviously, they want to be on shows. What other podcasts do you have in your network that you can connect them with that's a good fit for like audience-wise, right? Now you're creating two wins. Now a, a, an old podcast person is getting a new guest and meeting someone networking like, so it's like, well, I think networking is big. So like being a connector as a podcaster is like super fire. Like someone did it for me early on in my podcasting days. And the guy ended up turning it into a client, became a really good friend. And I was like, well, I want other people to experience what I just experienced. And like, for instance, we just talked today. Like I met a guy that today who's going to like a meeting with his business partner in Singapore. And now we're going to do business because someone introduced me to them because I introduced the person to other people. So like you just create this abundance vortex and then you're also teaching your guests how to connect and be connectors as well, because you're leading by example. They're going to want to do law of reciprocity and they're going to be like, wow, that's dope because it's crazy, bro. It's it's like it's crazy network effect. So yeah. that's my biggest advice. Um, I say guest first, then audience. I hate to say it that way because I know you're a content guy, but um, I think because the guest is like you're already touching them. They're already familiar with you. That's the easiest alley-oop. Right. And if you're prospecting correctly or you're, you're, you're getting the right people, then like these should be leverage points for your business. Right. Partnerships. Right. Whatever that looks like. So those are some of my biggest learnings. And um, which is why I'm doing it again. <laughs> like, that's what I'm like, OK, I'm starting a second one. Right. Because it's like so good. Yeah. Yeah. And this way you're going to double your learnings, you know, which is amazing. Exactly. But uh, you just mentioned a very interesting and important thing, which is networking. So my question to you as an experienced online entrepreneur and digital nomad would be, what is the importance of networking when you're building your online business and traveling around the world? I think connecting, humanizing first. So like not leading with, here's what I do, here's what I sell, here's what I'm looking for. But coming from a place of curiosity and an area that you both have in common. So if I'm a, I'm a digital nomad, right? And I'm an entrepreneur. I reach out and I was very intentional over the last six months to connect with as many digital nomads as possible on LinkedIn, right? It could be on Instagram. It could be on Twitter. I've met, met with people in real life from Twitter, but for me, it was LinkedIn because my audience, like my clients are B2B, like I'm in that space. So it only makes sense for me to network on LinkedIn. So I think committing to a platform and doing the work every single day because the social capital compounds, right? So the more and more people you meet, then you start to meet similar people, right? And like your influence grows, right? You don't need to have like hundreds of thousands of followers to be influential. You could be influential to a very select amount of people who 
have a lot of power, so to speak, right? I hate to say it like that, right? Um, so I think leading from curiosity and like for something you have in common. So if you're a startup, right? Like if you're a startup female founder, then like reach out to female founders who've been successful, right? And then getting offline as fast as possible, like getting off of the platform is pretty fat, pretty easy. Not easy, but that's the next thing. So like booking a meet and greet, like, hey, we'll love to meet and greet you, right? Or getting belly to belly in person. Really successful people want to be belly to belly. Just put it out there. Like they want coffee, like they like their old school. I mean, I'm like that to a certain degree too, but you'll find that like eight and nine figure, 10 figure founders like belly to belly in person. That's the pattern that I noticed. Yeah, true. I absolutely agree to that. Um, and also besides doing all of these projects, uh, I remember we talked about the new startup that you're building. Um, so could yeah. you tell us a little bit about that too? So yeah, I'm a stealth mode of a startup right now. It's pretty much Google Analytics on steroids. So we're trying to simplify people being able to understand their their marketing footprint and uh, uh, their customer journey online, right? Because like, you know, if if my mom can't act, use Google Analytics and understand it and really leverage the tool of data, then it's probably more it's probably complex for about ninety percent of the population. So we wanted to create something where it gives you highlights and, you know, predictable customer journeys based upon actual data, let you watch their screen recordings, use heat maps, like use all these tools so that you can make decisions. And then obviously the data will justify if the decision was good or not, right? Because you're, it's always feeding itself. So, um, and we're in the process of also connecting with app platforms so we can be more, uh, uh, I guess, turnkey, so to speak, but it's gonna. It's a long way uphill, man. Right. So like, this is an entirely different type of sale than high ticket. So I'm like, I'm not selling like 50k, 25k packages to B to B. Like, I'm trying to get someone to use my stuff for free first. Yeah. Like, is this even worth your time? And then, are you willing to pay for it? Like, what? Like, what do you need? Like, so it's it's very interesting game theory, and I'm always looking for support. So if you're a founder out there that want to connect, man. Um, I'm always open to to get 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 some schooling. <laughs> it's a different sale. Right. Yeah. But just out of the curiosity, what are the differences for you, main differences between building a scalable startup as you're doing right now and building a consulting business that you did over the years back and it's already a functioning business? What are the key differences? I think the unit economics is probably the biggest thing that drives a lot of it. Right. So like, you know, if a customer for the consulting business is worth $75,000, then I'm able to allocate more resources to acquire that customer. Right. Like doing a podcast, right. Hiring, hiring people makes sense to do that because the, the customer acquisition call, like I have a higher customer acquisition cost. Yeah. When my unit economics is I'm trying to get a $300, $400, $500 ARR customer, then I, do, I have to sell it without a person. Right, like I, the level of resources are drastically different. So the unit economics has been the biggest thing, because um, that drives a lot of the decision making. Like, is it mark? You know, it's product led marketing, essentially, from consultative led selling. It's a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. It's interesting. All right, but um, now to go back to your digital nomad life in Bali. Um, this is the question that we ask to everybody because we have guests from all over the world. Uh, what are the things that you love and hate about living in Bali as an international person? 
Uh, I love the quality of lifestyle for the dollar you pay. I think that it has the most value per dollar than any other place I've been to in the world, which is pretty fascinating. Um, don't really check the bank account too much, I guess. Right. I try to say discipline, but you don't have to like, you know, yeah. check like, hmm, you know I mean, think about this purchase. It's like, ah, run it. Right. Um, the I guess the downside is it's pretty ice, it's pretty isolated, like bubble, right? Mm. And it's pretty like manila. I hate to say it like that, but like, you know, I don't feel like I'm in a different world. Uh, it's hard to explain, man. Like, uh, yeah, I just think it's like, I can get bored here pretty quickly, personally, like if you're a person like me who likes to move around, but I feel like I'm at the point now where I'm bored and I'm ready to leave. Like, I'm looking, like, I'm staring at the calendar, like, Singapore, still stoked, let's go, right? So I, I feel like I get bored here because it's too slow. I need, yeah. like, that fast action city a little bit, like, it's too chill, right? Too yeah. slow. <laughs> yeah yeah sometimes sometimes chill can be too much you know <laughs> but yeah. uh is there a is there a big uh digital nomad community because i've heard a lot about Bug. yeah yeah man like you can literally find whatever your tribe is right you have partiers you got the yogis the wooey you got the entrepreneurs you got the remote workers the devs kind of guys crypto is huge here right it's a bunch of crypto people here right um so you can like find your tribe um because usually like what's crazy is you could just meet people in cafes right cafes and also online i'm a big fan of like like literally open up your phone go to instagram whatever your favorite cafe is figure out who's posting at that same cafe and just send them a dm right like that's an easy way a little hack there for you guys so i think like reach out to people online and like setting up in real life things and like not being afraid to go to different events is pretty big um and then like if you just keep networking like you're going to in get introduced to more people because yeah, just, that's how the game works, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's very that very much uh, correlates to the startup world. But yeah, great. Um, my final question to you would be: so, what would be your advice to everybody that is in the beginning of their journey and wants to start this digital nomad life and wants to start their online business to become location independent and don't know what direction to take? So, what would be your advice to all these people? Uh, get your money right and learn how to sell. I think even if you can sell other people's stuff, like just being a high ticket seller, you can make us like great money and then use geographical arbitrage. I think that's freaking savage. If I could do it all over again, like let's say if I just shut the, close the business down, I'll just become a high ticket seller, make 10, 20K a month and live somewhere where I have to pay two to three K and live a good life. So I think learning how to sell first and get your money right before you go. So you're not stressing out about money um, is a huge thing. Yeah. No, it's traveling by itself is stressful. Stressing about money and traveling and going broke is probably the worst thing you could do. So I think getting your money right is key. Yeah. Great. So everybody start learning sales um, and get your money right. And then after that, it opens all the doors. Yeah. Or yeah. Have an idea. Yeah. Great. Um, well, thank you very much for being our guest to the podcast. I think it was very interesting. Um, thank you very much for listening. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Follow us on your favorite social media and check out the next episode. Ta-da!